that part of the world. What are they experiencing? And so this doctor's from the UK. And so we're talking all things pandemic, um, contact lenses, and just practice in general. And um, you're probably familiar that uh, in the UK, the NHS provides funding for everyone for eye care. And he made the conscious decision to not accept NHS funding anymore for services. Now, when you think about that, that was, and, I, and it's, this is directionally correct, but it's something like he was effectively eliminating all children under the age of 18, potentially, and all adults over the age of 60, if, if his patient base literally said, well, if you're not taking it, I'm going to leave. Um, and the reason they made that decision, and Chris, it really ties into what you said about build the machine, and then every uh, everything that comes up, you just have to fit into the machine. So he and his partner decided that they weren't able to practice optometry the way they wanted to practice op optometry and accept that fee structure. And so they said, we want to practice how we want to practice. And so when the staff and everyone got nervous and said, what if everybody leaves? He actually got bold and said, I'm okay with that because I value the way I want to practice. I value my expertise. This is what I want to be about. And, and this is the value I'm going to put on it. So it kind of ties back to what you're saying about, yes, I know what the competition's doing, but I'm not going to let it drive my decision. And so they, they completely eliminate it. And he said to me, he said, I, I, I'm not the least, or excuse me, I'm, yeah, I'm not the least expensive person in town. And he said, and this is how we do it. We have not turned back. And he said, not only have we not turned back, he said, we, um, people who have left our practice, they have a uh, annual subscription plan for everything, exam fees, everything. So if you are a contact lens patient with them, you pay a certain amount per month, 12 months out of the year, and you come in anytime for anything you need. Mm -hmm. If he can see you via telehealth, he'll see you via telehealth. If you need to come in, you come in, but your price never changes. Mm -hmm. But if you only come in once a year, you're still paying. He said, I want to be your eye doctor and this is my model. And I was, I was blown away. I was like, wow, this is just getting more and more intriguing. And then he like pushed all the chips across the table and he said, yeah. And when somebody leaves, they can't come back for three years. Whoa. I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Are you serious? He said, yeah. He said, because what people were doing. I know exactly what you're going to say. You could be the writings on the wall. He said, they'd leave and they'd come back and they'd want to start to gain my, my plan. He said, so when they said to me, you know, I, I, I'm, it's time to leave. He said, I perfectly understand. You're welcome to leave. If you change your mind and you want to come back, you have to wait three years. Does he explain to them why that is? Yeah. You know, I, I think it's, I, I can't tell you how many times we've seen that where, where we'll see patients even, you know, we, we aren't that bold yet, but I've seen patients where, you know, they come and they come every three years or so, three or four years. Once they have a problem that's bad enough, they went someplace else where they, where they thought they were getting the same. I, I know they didn't think that they didn't think they were getting the same thing, but they thought effectively they were getting what they needed. And then they wound up with a big enough problem. It's like, now I got to fix it. Then I fix it. And then they go for three years, four years. And so, yeah. Wow. So that's cool that, that he's working. I've got, uh, I know somebody that, that, that has done that in um, kind of around us. And 
Um, I think she's so far doing really well. And she's, she's the same thing. She's like, this is what I want to do. This is how I want to practice. And so she's going to do great because she's a great doc and she's got, she believes in her model. That's what he said. He said exactly those words, Chris. He said, we got the entire staff together. We got all of our team together. And we said, how do we want to do it? What are we worth? And how do we want to see our patients? He said, and this is the decision we made. The staff loves it because the people that come there and stay there are the people who agree with that. Yeah. Everyone's in agreement. And he said, so there aren't any arguments or discussions that because we were very open and forward thinking and we get to give our best care. So they're satisfied. So they don't want their money back. They don't want to leave because they're getting exactly what they need. Hello and welcome to Crystal Podcast on iCrew Media. On today's episode, I have a conversation with Dr. Michelle Andrews, who is the Senior Director of North American Professional and Academic Affairs with Cooper Vision, to give us some industry perspective uh, on reframing and rethinking contact lens. And we're also joined by Jim Beckwith, who practices in Las Vegas, Nevada, and he's got a great practice. He was really kind enough to let me come out and visit his practice a couple months ago so I could pick his brain and see how he and, and Dr. Mark Lee are running the show there and, and how they have integrated new technologies during this pandemic and, and uh, moving forward. So um, he's really got a, a good frame of mind in terms of continuing to grow and build your practice. I had a really fun time meeting with him and also a fun time with him on this podcast conversation. And then uh, Melissa, Dr. Melissa, Melissa Tata, who has a practice in Colorado Springs, and she really provides a great perspective of how to continue to move forward with using new technologies and integrating new technologies into the machine that is your practice, specifically with contact lenses, and uh, really gave us some great perspective. So I had, a, I had a really fun conversation with the three of them. Please enjoy our conversation. And as always, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, write a review, share it with your friends, and support those who support us. We've been providing myopia control treatments in our practice for years. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, CooperVision has received FDA approval of its innovative MySight one-day contact lens. This will be the cornerstone of a comprehensive myopia management approach to be offered by CooperVision. This daily wear, single-use contact lens is the first and only FDA-approved product clinically proven to slow the progression of myopia when initially prescribed for children 8 to 12 years old and when compared to children in the control group wearing a single vision one day contact lens. Check out the show notes for all the specific prescribing details and to get more information about this lens and how you can begin to offer it in your practice. Jim, I was, uh, so I, I think Missy, the last time I um, traveled was, uh, we went out to Las Vegas, my wife and I and my, um, my nine-year-old, she wanted to, um, she likes the Eiffel Tower, so we um, so we took her to Las Vegas because that's the closest place she can get. And and so it was for her golden birthday. She had turned nine on May 9th. And so we had tried to get there, you know, all summer long, all summer long. And I think Jim, we made it out um, October, early October. And um, and I would say for the most part, I had been to um, I've been to Georgia. That was that was really odd because um, the airport was just half at least half shut down um and then 
Uh, and then I'd been through Denver up to Rapid City, and, and both of those seemed relatively normal besides the face masks. The stuff that was open was normal stuff that was open. But Las Vegas is the same way. It's like I felt like Las Vegas International was uh, – McCarran was open like normal except for masks. I would say that um, – yeah, I would say Las Vegas – I don't know how to describe it, but um, felt um, – I don't know. It felt, it felt relatively normal. Um, but, uh, but I bring all that up because Jim actually, uh, let me, I called him maybe the day or two before, and he let me kind of swing by his office and, and see how he's doing things. So he was re renovating a lot of things and it was cool to see, um, you know, you you guys were certainly busy. I mean, I don't know if that's normal for you, Jim, but you know, in, in this time, when I think about kind of busyness and being productive are two not necessarily linked things, but I got the sense that you guys are very productive uh, during this time. And, and you guys have a, sort of a, a good analytical approach to things just from a, a general standpoint within your optical, within your practice. But one of the reasons I wanted to have you all on is to kind of talk about some of those approaches to being productive and kind of redefining our, our views within contact lenses. So, you know, we've, we've been through a lot Certainly, what we're going through now is different than what we're that what we were going through six months ago, which is probably going to be different than what we're going to be doing six months from now. So, I sort of wanted to frame those ideas about um, how you guys are approaching the changes that have occurred, and then the changes you're anticipating over the next six months. So, Jim, I'll start with you because one of the things that I was really kind of taken aback by, and not I shouldn't have been, but Mark, you and Mark really. Have, have a good analytical approach to your optical. Um, do you look at the same sort of things when you think about your, your contact lens practice? We do, but it's not as complicated. As you know, the, the optical with frames and the way the prices are different with managed care plans and you, you're looking at fashion as well as function and how many products to keep in each brand, how many in each line. It's, it, it's a totally different thing. So context, we are looking at it analytically, but it's, it's a lot easier. Yeah. So when you take that approach, you know, uh, Mark had those spreadsheets that he was wowing me with. Do you still have kind of the same approach to saying, okay, we have this many patients in a contact lens, this many patients in this type of contact lens, and how do you think that has changed? If you if you know the specific numbers, that's great. Do you think that's changed over the last six months? The the, the demographics uh, of who's wearing the type of lenses that they're wearing. I don't know if that's changed the last six months. We are tracking that, and we are able to to on that spreadsheet plug it in and say, oh, if we switch, we know how many patients are in each product, and we know our cost and and what we get paid. And if we make a switch here. You know, how does it impact the practice? Mm. Um, but I don't know if that's changed in the last six. I mean, the, the numbers are are a little skewed because you had, we had seven weeks where we really weren't seeing exams, but we were selling contacts as I think most of you guys were extending prescriptions. So it's kind of an odd, uh, you know, to, to look at that those numbers and understand them on a, on a global basis to see, oh, are, are we really... Uh, moving patients one way or the other is tough. I mean, we can still understand on an individual basis how much we profit on different products and, and uh, we can look at 
new lenses that come out and if we if we can move patients into a, how does it impact the practice. Do you think, um, Missy, one of the things that we've noticed, to, to piggyback on Jim's point there, and I'd love to pick your brain about this, is that, you know, when we go back and analyze our data, to Jim's point about, uh, you know, we, we were extending prescriptions and um, and so there's two things that that I've recently become aware of, probably over the last couple months. One is that um, we're down year over year in terms of comprehensive exams, whether it's just a comprehensive, when I say comprehensive, I mean we have done a refraction with that exam, whether it's from a managed vision care payer or a private payer or, you know, uh, um, cash pay patient, but we did a refraction on that exam. We're down basically 100 um, exams year over year to even to this date. Um, and so when, uh, but when we look at where we are down, we are also down about a hundred contact lens exams. So it's almost exclusively when we look at that, the number that we're down, uh, cause we had this ramp, real ramp back up after we were kind of, uh, pulled back over, uh, March and April. But I'm wondering how many of those patients, and we're really trying to go back after them now to make sure that they're getting the care that they need, but how many of those patients, it just, it's, a, it's a correlation where that's the amount of people that we extended, right? Mm-hmm. Or I'm suspicious that we extended these prescriptions. And now we thought we we're going to extend them for three months, but here we are, it's what, seven months later, six months later, mm-hmm. that they still haven't returned. Have you seen that same sort of thing? I don't know if we've exactly seen that exact correlation on that, but we've seen this funny dichotomy that happens with our contact lens patients of there's um, so many people are working from home and I've heard a lot of my patients say, well, you know what? I'm wearing my glasses way more than I'm wearing my contact lenses because I just don't feel like putting them on unless I'm on a zoom meeting. And so and then the other half of it, because we have such a military area, we also have a lot of people who are going back to the office because they're for security purposes and things like that. And then they're coming back and saying, well, I never wore contact lenses, but I want to wear them now. Yeah. So we have this like dip and raise in this funny change that's happening there. So, um, you know, I think that to your point, there are probably patients who are who have extended and we'll probably be two years before, you know, we see them, we get caught back up, but you know, our numbers aren't catching up because we've reduced the number of patients that we're seeing. We're not, mm. our, our numbers are good because we're capturing way more because of that time that we can spend with people. It's kind of that, like when you first opened your practice and you could spend more time with folks. So we've been capturing more than we used to. Um, and, you know, I don't know that I want to work any harder. Right. But um, so are there spaces to put all those patients in there too? But I think we've been capturing more, but then there's the dip on the other side. Of- when you think about contact lenses, you know, you made the point of, patient, of patients that now are all of a sudden considering them. Um, is it mostly masking that, that's forcing them where yes, they're sure. getting fogging? Or is it that when they are uh, in a mask, they want to have the option to have people see their eyes because that might be the only thing they get to see, right? If if we're, if we're covering all of this, I mean, is it a cosmetic reason? Is it a fogging issue? What do you think? Fogging is huge. Fogging is a great big thing. Cause you see everybody walking out of my exam lane with a giant piece of tape yep. sitting yep. right across there. Um, so that has been kind of the biggest issue with working on the computer and doing all of those things that they just want freed up from that. And also it's the, 
it's the physical. I don't know if you've had this in your optical, but we get it all the time. Patients are going to put on a frame, but they already have their glasses on. But because the mask is there, they try to put the other glasses on over their current glasses (laughs) because there's this weird synesthesia thing happening that, um, and I think they just want to get freed up a little bit from having that mass on their face. Do you think that there's, um, that there is a, like a, a, a type of person, or, or is there a way that, that you bring this, uh, new technologies up to people who have never worn contacts before that seems to be really effective? Like, is there sort of this, this sort of high level conversation that you're having with patients where you're like, yeah, I don't know. I, this is how I, that, that is kind of very simple for you to approach. And then that opens the conversation that's been effective for you. Um, so in regards to like bringing up that contact lens wear issue, you know, they're complaining yeah. about fogging. We talked a little bit about what solutions we've had in the office for us. And then if I'm sending them out to optical to look at their glasses, um, I just have a tech put on contacts for them hmm. so that they don't have them there. They're not trying to double up you know, they, and, um, and so then it's not, it's not my time. It's not my skill. I'm, my skill is grabbing, you know, telling them like lenses, but really I'm not looking at fit or anything. And, and at the end they either just take them off or they go, Hey, that was kind of cool. So it's little, it's minimal because again, we're trying to limit the amount of time people are spending in the office, you know, and that's, we've gotten the creep where we're, you know, letting people hang out and have a party again, but we're trying to get it back, you know, with the surge and whatnot. So just really being mindful of that. So when you're going to do that, you say, so you say, oh, hey, let let me have Justina put these contact lenses Mm -hmm. on for you so you can have an easier time looking at at your new glasses. Yep. And then you're not even bringing it up from a standpoint of saying, this is going to be something you're going to be doing long-term. You're bringing Mm -hmm. it up on the standpoint of this makes it super easy for you to look at your glasses. Yep. It's that. And just to get a sense of what it's like to put on glasses, you know, or, or excuse me to um, just not have that fog issue. Like I just saw clearly and I don't have that. So it's kind of talking about it without talking about it. Cause you know, we have so many long conversations in the office. Well, so then how do you, how do you justify the idea of, um, okay, now you have delivered, I know you, cause you made these sort of nuanced comments about, it's not really your expertise that you're using. It's not your time. Mm-hmm. Now, let's say that patient decides, oh, okay, I've got my new glasses. This is pretty nice. Like, and mm-hmm. they say, oh, I'd like to have a prescription for that. How, do, how does your staff handle that in terms of transitioning that back into you or how does that all work? So then it's like, okay, well, then go on back into the exam lane. We're going to have her take a look at those. Mm. And then we start the process of the insertion removal training, that kind of thing. Um, so now, now you're on the clock. If I come right. back and I take a look at those lenses, um, oh yeah, we can move forward with the fitting. Explain what the fitting is. You know, how is that different than me just chucking lenses on you and and you getting out of there, right? That this isn't the same thing. You're, we're not done today, right? Mm-hmm. I um, like that. And um, and then we start the process. Then we can charge appropriately um, and not give away give away the services yeah. there. Well, I mean, I think it, it, that's sort of the touchy thing is that. You know, I think making that clear distinction between here, I'm putting something on your eye that's not going to cause you harm in 15 minutes, yeah. but if it's not fit appropriately and it doesn't have a like long term, it could have a problem. So now let's, ev- this is a great lens, but now let's evaluate the rest of it. And then we show you all those other things. And if we needed to have a follow-up via telehealth or in 
physically in office, then it all works. Right. Jim, are you guys doing anything like that? Absolutely. And we've done that. And, and I, you know, I think what Missy's doing really is, is making people feel special. At the end of the day, when we do that, we really differentiate ourselves and our practices. And so there are, there even before masks, there's people that are plus threes, plus fours. They want to go out and see themselves in glasses. And we put those on. And, and basically what I'll say is because we do topographies on every contact lens patient, but on every other patient, we still have auto Ks. And so I will tell them, I have your corneal measurements. I'm going to go ahead and so-and-so put some contacts on you so you can see yourself in glasses. You don't, there's no commitment at all. And we have them put it on. And, and then like Missy says, sometimes they wind up going down the road of getting them. Or what typically happens is the next year they come and they go, hey, you know, last year you gave me and I'm really interested in them now. Yeah. So, so I don't think it's, I really don't think we're giving away service. We're, we're treating someone special. And, and to do that, uh, sometimes it means being creative, treating everyone, everyone in a different way, not, not a cookie cutter. So, so kudos to you. Great job. Yeah. I like that. And I think one of the things that um, may be, a, I mean, we have a, so many other options, but how would you approach a patient with significant astigmatism or presbyope? Are you putting them in single vision distance when you do that? Are you putting them in some sort of multifocal lens that gives them some ability to see up close? I mean, you guys have any approaches to that 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 has that has seemed helpful? Would it be would it be the the same type of lens that you would think? Oh, if you're going to be a, a full time wearer, this is the lens I would have you in. Or it's like I just want you to see really well within a distance of ten feet. Do you guys put any thought to that? I definitely do, and and. I, I, you know, so I guess we're talking about, let's say that, that worst case scenario in that situation, you've got your, your, uh, uh who's got a buck and three quarters still. And I'm going to tell him, Hey, I'm going to put you in some contact lenses. And what I will do is, is do kind of a modified monovision. And, and I don't have to get into discussing it with them just that they'll be able to see themselves with it. And so, you know, maybe you're you're under correcting one eye a buck or something like that, and, and getting them where we're in a in a social setting or certainly in a setting to see themselves in glasses. It works, and and again, it kind of primes that pump for them to go, "Wow, I didn't I didn't know I could see like this." What's your threshold? Sorry, sorry, Miss. Go ahead, go ahead go and ahead. answer that too, because I was just going to wonder. You know, when you're thinking about those things, because you nodded as well when Jim was talking about you know, do, do he puts them in kind of different types of fits. And I'd love mm -hmm. for you to expand upon that. But when you think about the threshold, when just even in general with contact lenses, when is your threshold for saying, I'm going to correct for this astigmatism? Do you have a, a in your mind where, where it seems to make sense? I find that a lot of people won't, won't do it until it's like a minus one, minus one and a quarter sill. And um, the lenses are so good now, uh, you know, getting that three quarter diopters, clarity you know would you wear would you ever wear glasses without it is my no, question I, no i don't think you would right and so it's so repeatable now and it's you know it's not like back in the day when you hoped it was 10 degrees you know it 10 degrees rotation was fantastic right you know versus <laughs> versus what it is now it's going to be very very consistent so i mean for that i i have no worries about putting three quarters of diopter on somebody with because their, their vision is going to be that much better, especially if I'm doing something like a modified monovision where I'm really relying on, on one eye to see really quite well. Um, and, and they'll notice that blur even more so. 
Um, I would say um, as far as like throwing lenses on, I don't think I go down the rabbit hole quite of doing a, a multifocal mm. um, just because I, I just want that immediate clarity. Um, yeah. I don't want it to feel, I don't want a funny feeling. Now, that being said, if they're interested, we're going to have a conversation when I look at that fit, you know, when yeah. now we're going to spend some time. It's worth my time to have more of that conversation of, well, I did that for you for glasses, but what I really think is going to work for you because you're on the computer all day long is this, or, you know, however, however that happens. So, um, just to, for expedience purposes, I tend not to be quite so mindful of, of, um, best correction. Right. Um, well, I like the idea of, especially if you've got a patient with low sill and you're going to throw a, a toric lens on, maybe you're going to throw mm -hmm. a, you know, a, a biofinity toric on them and mm -hmm. they have, they might be a presbyope. Well, you already know, even if you're going to have to fit them, you, you want a multifocal for them. But now you're, you're saying, look, if you decide you like this vision at distance, we can give you some more for near. And I can also, I've already got this lens settling on your eye for 15 minutes, even though we know we don't need that. But hey, let's come back and, and check it out. Now all I got to do is figure out, okay, do I need 2D lenses? Do I, you know, just follow your fit guide. And then it becomes like way easier in terms of thinking through like what was the your technical time. And then all they've got to do is like, you know how that lens is going to sit on their eyes. You know, it's going to mm -hmm. rotate. And then you just, you've got your other lens they can pick up and then experience and have some time to wear once it comes in. And then you can do your follow-up via telehealth or via, um, you know, via physical in office. Speaking of that, are you guys doing a lot of these telehealth or are you doing a lot of them physically in office? What's your threshold for when you'll, you'll say, I want to see this patient back in my office for follow-up and contact lenses right now? Go ahead, Jim. Um, we're not doing as much telehealth now as we were back in, in March, April, May. And our contact lens follow-ups on new patients, we're seeing them all back. If they're a previous patient, we're not. No, probably not seeing them back at all unless there's a problem. Right. Trying to finagle something with a, a, the multifocal or monovision and playing with, with some numbers. Yeah. What about you, Missy? I think we're probably in the same boat. I, I'm still kind of, um, pick your battles, right? So is this the change I'm going to do to my staff right now for me to do this and, and just kind of picking one thing at a time to do that? I think it's smart, but I'm not entirely, I don't know, Chris, are you doing a lot of contact lens checks where you're looking at movement and rotation or anything like that with telehealth? No, I mean, you know, we were, we were doing some of that and I think you can with decent images. I think you can get a sense, like you could get a sense, but yeah. I think if I've got a patient, like if I've got a patient that's in a multifocal toric, <laughs> right. <Yeah>. And, <laughs> and I want to see, you know, and even if I know that lens is rotating, it's really yeah. challenging for me to know what change I want to make. That's going to be most effective for them just right. by talking to them. Now I could have a sense of that, yeah. but so I'm with you. I'm seeing those patients back for sure. Um, uh, in my, in my practice, it's hard to do via telehealth unless they really just don't want to be there. And most of, most of them in our community don't, they, they don't mind coming in. Yeah. We're doing okay with follow-ups and not getting that pushback. Yeah. 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 Michelle, what do you think when you think about um, kind of the general topics that, um, you know, about mask wearing and you kind of have a sense, I think, of the general trends of what may be going on, uh, maybe better than what we do based in our, our specific practices. But is the stuff that we're talking about, does this seem to be what most people are, are uh, dealing with across the country? Is it uh, does it vary from from different places? What's what's been your experience when you've talked to people? 
Yeah, in fact, there's quite a few similarities that we're seeing uh, across the industry that, that both Jim and Missy and, and you, Chris, are talking about today. You know, initially, when we talked about the practices closing, you know, you're talking about, Jim, you talked about how the, the contact lens revenue, you know, kept coming in. Um, what shifted, of course, is sending lenses directly to the patient's home. Mm. So we immediately saw a big increase in requests to get patient, uh, product right to the patient's home. Um, certainly you weren't open um, to be able to have that take place at the office for, for in many cases. Uh, but being able to ship that product right to the patient's house was, um, was a really uh, important trend that we saw. Um, and that's, has that stayed? Has that stayed, um, that stayed consistent? It has. It, it has. It is something that, uh, first of all, consumers love. Um, they're so focused on what are the most important things I need to do. And, you know, Missy, you, you made the comment, is this the thing I need to take on right now? And, you know, our patients are thinking the same way that eye care professionals are thinking about. Do I need to go back? Um, and so what we're seeing is patients are happy to buy that annual supply. They're happy to have it sent to the house because then they have confidence that no matter what happens next in terms of their community or their environment, they have the product they need. They had it shipped right to their home. And certainly if they, if they need you, they know where to find you. Uh, but assuming that everything goes well, they have everything that they need um, until that next year. So, so that is definitely a trend that's consistent. The other thing that we're seeing is something that Missy described just so well. She said, you know, I've got some people um, dropping out saying, well, I'm not wearing them as much because I, I'm not doing these social things and I'm working from home. And then we have other people coming into the market. And the way um, we're looking at that is what is the need of the patient now and how has their life changed such that their need to wear contact lenses has changed? So for example, patients still think contact lenses are essential for them. They still value them. It's just that because their lifestyle changed a little bit, that they're saying, well, that occasion doesn't exist anymore. And so maybe I don't need to wear them as frequently. But there are other occasions or other things that drive contact lens wear. So for example, you may have someone that was on their laptop a few hours a day. Now they're on their laptop eight hours a day, 10 hours a day. You know, you get that notification from your phone, how much increased screen time you had this time, you know, this week versus last week. And so the vision needs change. And so the eye care professional has the opportunity to say, based on what you're going through right now, I have a solution for that. So that may be a change in contact lens prescription. It might be a patient who is really sensitive to just health and safety. And they're saying, I want the best ocular health and safety. And so what is that? So we may take a contact lens patient from a reusable lens and they might go into a, a one-day lens because they're just paying attention to those things now. Or, or they remember, you know, Jim, you said you had that conversation with me before. And now they're coming back in and saying, gosh, I'm hearing this everywhere about, about um, safety. What is the best way I can take care of my eyes? And then, of course, 
masking and fogging. So we're hearing a lot that patients who didn't wear contact lenses, their new normal involves a mask. And so now they have become contact lens patients. And so I think, um, I think you're describing exactly what we're seeing in terms of, of those trends, that contact lenses still matter to people. They still matter to the practice, but we're providing the care in a way that is helpful to them. You've all talked about how you've adjusted the, the uh, exam, right? And who better to make that decision than the eye care professional that has been seeing them year after year after year? You had great confidence and probably gave them great confidence that you could extend that prescription. And if you needed to see them, you're all calling out examples of where you want to see that patient back. I think that builds, it's great service, it's great loyalty, and, and it's the eye care professional that's the best person to make that decision. And so um, I think that, that we've always thought and always acted with our patients' best interests in mind. If we just continue to do that and listen and ask the right questions to find out how have their lives changed, we'll find the care delivery model that makes sense for them. We'll find the product delivery model that makes sense for them. And we'll find the modality and, and best contact lens option for them. And, and we'll stay flexible because it's probably going to change. You know, it strikes me, Michelle, that, you know, all the things that you're describing there's a lot of work in that. And there's a lot of nuance in that and a lot of expertise that comes from just having a conversation with a patient that we can't really obtain through quick questionnaires or, you know, online screening tools. And the reason I bring that up is that, you know, on the one hand, uh, it, it does, um, ir irritates probably the best word. It irritates me when I see, you know, it's basically whack-a-mole. You know, you see all these different online prescription refill technologies and I'll quote unquote, call them technologies, because honestly, if, if, and I always encourage people to do them and I've done reviews on them on the podcast multiple times over the last couple of years. And, and it's laughable. It's not, it's not advanced technology. It's not forward thinking technology. It's not new technology. What it is, is basically a picture, not even a good picture, uh, a visual acuity chart and plug your old prescription in. And if that's what we're competing with, if that's what we think we're competing with as professionals, then we must be out of the game. Like we might as well just let them do it, right? But but it's very striking to me that in this time with all of these things, I mean, I've taken a couple of these recently. It's like, there's no, there's no question about, you know, are you having fogging with your mask? Have you ever worn contact lenses before? Are you, have you changed your habits with contact lens wear? It's essentially like, check off all the boxes to make sure that I can say that you had no problems or you denied all the problems that you may be having. So I can just see YA and then tell me what your old prescription was. And as long as you can see 2025 or 2030 with them, we're just going to have a, a, a guy just stamp approve that that's what you get and what, and, and we're fine. So, um, so I guess my point is, is all this stuff should help one, I mean, the stuff we do in our office should be blatantly clear to patients, even if they choose to go down one of those roads, that it's like, yeah, okay, that is, all right, I'll do this. But if we're doing that same stuff in our practice and we're not offering them any new options or rethinking the way that we're uh, delivering contact lenses to them, then we aren't doing any better than they're doing. And we are at risk. So I think, uh, you know, I think that having those deep conversations, I mean, in summary, I think what you're saying, Michelle, is having those deep conversations about how their lives have been impacted, and then figuring out solutions on how to adjust 
so that they can still have flexibility with glasses and with contact lenses. I think makes a ton of sense. Um, when you think about uh, yeah, like utilizing other technologies so that you can provide those other avenues uh, for more of an omni-channel experience, are you guys using any technologies in your practice so that you can deliver uh, products to patients when they want them, how they want them? What are those? What are those technologies? Yeah, yeah go ahead, Jim. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I, was ask, I was asking you, Jim. You can't tell which on the screen who I'm looking <laughs> Okay. <laughs> we're, we're using contact lens refill uh, companies to, um, to help us deliver the product to the patient. We're would not, that be, sorry, Jim, to interrupt, but that, would that be a, um, a technology that would say, one, you're always just delivering an annual supply to them, or is there a technology that you use that allows you to say, okay, we can, you've gotten a three month supply, but now we're going to keep reminding mm -hmm. like tell tell me how you've integrated that into your practice and what your steps are to to approach right. that yeah so we we do have the technology that delivers annual supply but then also the technology that syncs with our software so that we're able to to know if someone only bought a three month six month supply to able to contact them for one touch reordering has that been um i mean do you feel like you've Say, I mean, you you know the analytics. Have you saved people from going someplace else for the remainder of their supply? Have you has that increased that? You feel like you're taking from um, people that would have come back anyway, and now you just don't have to mess with the physical interaction or the time it takes to do that. What what have, what's been your experience? You know, people want simple, right? Mm -hmm. And and we make it simple for them, and and we're competitive, and they like us. They want to do business with us, and the analytics show it. So. It, it has made a huge difference because before it was, hey, you'd have to call us between our, you know, whenever <laughs> we're open. And uh, after we put you on hold for a couple minutes, then maybe we'll, uh, we'll fill your, your order, right? Yeah. Uh, so, so that's over now, which is great. It's still there if someone wants it, but uh, most people would prefer to just, just do a click and order, right? Right from their phone. Yeah, it's interesting how something like that does change our our approach. Where these technologies were around, and and it's just like I don't know how much my my patients really want them. And then we were really happy that that we had you know forward thinking practices at least had already incorporated them to some degree. Missy, did you have any other uh, thoughts about that and how you've integrated it in your practice? Well, I mean exactly what you were saying, and in that we had the technology in place, but were we utilizing um, as fully? And so those six weeks down allowed us to, to figure out, you know, yay, the gift of time um, allowed us to kind of get that technology really moving. And it made a huge difference um, to our bottom line as far as kind of um, what we were able to do, you know, as a service to the patient, because they were scared that they weren't going to be able to get, you know, mm. they're like, oh my gosh, and now I'm starting to overwear. And now I'm starting to, you know, do those behaviors that we want to keep them from doing. And so that freed that up and then it allowed us to really streamline our processes. So now it's really, um, um, it, it's really sort of a revenue stream where it wasn't before it was going to take somebody from my office calling at three months or six yeah. months after that. And, and maintaining those processes, you know, you think you have them set up in your office and then you have an office meeting like, 
a, a year oh, later. We're not doing go, this? What? what do you mean we're not doing that? I don't know. We talked about that. I know. I know we talked about that. Yeah, I know we did. And um, and then you realize, oh, well, my staff, only 50% of them are the same as they used to be, or, you know, whatever that is. Um, so that has been able to kind of automate that, which has been really tremendous to our practice to be able to do that. And then, and then just shipping straight to the patient, they, you know, the patients want from us what they get from other online retailers, whether that's Amazon or, you know, those subscription services and things like that. They really, they do want those things, but I think they like getting them from us versus somewhere else. And what I have found is, you know, there's always that price shopper. There's always going to be that person. But I think the majority of people are actually, like Jim was saying, the easy button. You know, they're wanting that simplicity um, that, yeah, I get all my stuff I get through them. And I just have to click that text that, that, that they send me and I, and I just get it done. So Do you they're think, willing. Yeah, I think so that kind of brings up the next point that or the next question I really have is when I think about, you know, the value, again, that we're providing as doctors to these patients, uh, to their quality of life and to their vision and, and eye health, um, how do you sit back and, and think about context as a value to your practice, right? Like, how did you actually come up with, okay, these are the fees, you don't have to tell me your fees, but, you know, I have a way in my mind that I like to do this and I like to kind of work things through, but how did you kind of say, okay, well, if I'm going to fit a patient in a contact lens, this is what that service is worth. And how do you work through that as a, as a clinician? And then how do you work through the reassessment of, of what that changing value is going to be? So, you know, kind of looking at the different, we always kind of look at the tiers and we kind of build in kind of the complexity into what we're doing that. And um, so we're able to kind of go, you know, relatively simple fit and, and more complex from there. So going all the way to a scleral and mm-hmm. a much more complicated kind of medically necessary fit. And um, so it's really kind of based on that, the, the old way of doing it of chair time. Um, yep. You know, how many times do you, are you going to have to walk into my office? Um, and as far as kind of like updating, we were just recently updating our pricing as well going, you know, we're, we have all these other services built in, but they are not without a cost. They are not without effort on our part, time, staffing, that kind of thing. And so feeling actually completely relieved and going, yeah, we're going to raise the cost of that because we've raised the value with right. what we're doing. Does, um, it, does it ever come into play? Sorry, Missy, to interrupt, but no, this no, is like another good question um, to pick your brain. I hear doctors talk a lot about concern for what the guy down the street is doing. And when I talk to you, Missy, and when I talk to you, Jim, maybe I'm missing this, but I never get the sense that, that those things that you're doing are directly related to the competition, what the competition is going to charge, quote unquote, competition is going to charge. It really is, I'm providing a service. So, so does that ever come into play? Do you worry about that when you're changing? Because I'll tell you, a lot of doctors worry about that. I'm an optometrist. I worry about everything. It's what, it's what I do. (laughs) Have you talked to to Aaron about that? Aaron and I had this discussion discussion yesterday and he said, well, maybe I won't say what he said, but it was, it was, it was very nice, but it was just, it was just basically exactly that same thing is that optometrists worry about a lot of things. So sorry to interrupt, but go ahead. You worry about that a little bit. So No, I mean, I worry about it, but I don't actually worry about it. We happen to have like a local chain kind of near our office 
And um, something that was very liberating as soon as we moved into our new space, about two months later, a sign went up that they were building, right? Like all of our patients were going to have to drive past them to come to our office. And it was really, really liberating to have that experience. Not, I was, I worried about it. Don't, don't get me wrong, but um, (laughs) to then have it have absolutely zero effect and actually a positive effect on our office. So what I think it, and it's kind of like with most things that we recommend, um, if we're bought in and we understand what our services are worth, um, then it's no problem. I can charge what I need to charge because I know what my services are worth and I know how, how what we're doing is very different than where they're driving past. So even though I worry about it, I don't, I don't shop them. I don't try to figure out how I'm going to price match that. I set my prices based on, on the worth of the services. I think that's key. I think, I think you can be aware of what's going on. Um, but I think where you really lose, and Jim, I, I love your perspective because you're obviously in Las Vegas. It may be different in Las Vegas than it is in Colorado Springs and it is in Omaha, Nebraska than it is in Chicago, Illinois. Um, but, you know, I think it's, it's probably appropriate to kind of have a, a perspective about what other people are doing. But, um, but I, I always, when I talk to, to docs and, they, and they are, they're really getting bogged down in this, well, I got to charge this because so-and-so is doing that. It's like, oh, I don't, man, you're doing so much different. You're, and, and I mean, I, I'm not belittling anybody. I'm just saying you're just, when I talk to them and I talk to you, your services are different. You're doing different things. Your model, the model that you've set up to deliver care is different. So, I mean, you could take that from glasses. You could take it from contact lenses. I mean, what are your thoughts on that, Jim? Well, I think I think you hit it on the head, Chris. We, we certainly want to be aware of, of what, at least I do. I want, to, I want to kind of know what the marketplace is just from a global perspective. I want to make sure I'm not totally out of, out of bounds. Um, and, and on product, we are absolutely looking at what, what uh, the, the market bears on that. But I think you also put it well in that we like to think we're providing a service that isn't isn't equal than than everyone else. We are we're going to give them that that person like Missy had said. I said earlier, you make people feel special. Those uh, personal acts of kindness, those small details, and and those are uncovered through conversation, which you know isn't technology, right? It's it's pretty old school, but. Um, by by really getting to know the needs and wants of the patients and how to how to fill that and uh, you know we put a number on it so yeah yeah I would say that you know as I think through this I think you know um, in general what I don't want doctors to feel like is that they're restricted from having some of these ideas and conversations with patients because they're because their time it's not worth their time to do. And one of the ways that, I mean, you, you both have figured out and I, I advocate all the time is, okay, well, you have to be able to, if you're providing value, you have to be able to, um, you have to be able to, it has to be worth your time to do. And so it always, it always floors me, I guess, when people are upset about, you know, contact lens dropouts or, or, or they're upset about, you know, um, follow-ups with contact lenses because they're thinking, oh, it's just not, I, I'm not making any money. It's like, well, then you got to eliminate, if that bothers you, if that thing bothers you, then there's a way to eliminate that from the equation, right? You either don't provide the service, which unfortunately a lot of people may just provide less of those services if they're not being compensated for them. Or they say, look, this is the, in order for it to be effective, 
this is the value that I'm going to be providing. So I can, I can take all those things and find the nuance and really get the lens that works well for you. And that's what my encouragement is to people is that if you're, if you're looking at, at contact lenses as sort of a, is like, ah, it's just like an afterthought or, or something that's, that's a challenge. Like, well, then you're, you're not thinking about your, the time take, eliminate that out of the picture. And now you can feel free to say, look, let's do this. Let's figure out a way to make this work during these times and, and kind of changing uh, and reframing things. Last questions. Cause I know that I want to be both, I want to be respectful of both your time or all three of your time. And I want to think about the next six months. When I think about reframing contact lenses. Okay. We've t- talked about a lot about what's going on now and what was going on six months ago and how that's changed. What do you think is going to happen in your practice? that will allow you to expand on what you're doing or amplify what you're doing so that you're still staying on top of the new technologies and capabilities that you can deliver to patients during, during the next six months. Missy, go ahead. Um, So I think kind of a lean in to be, to doing more of, of, um, not specialty per se, but kind of leaning into the new, newer technologies of, um, you know, how is our service different and, and more complete in the contact lens realm? Does it just stop at, you know, the simple myopes or, you know, whatever, and who, who do we get to expand with? And we've been playing more with the piece of myopia management and the ability to do more of that, doing more sclerals and CRTs and, and building that portion of it so that contact lens becomes a, a part of the whole medical model that we have going in our office, that there was sort of that missing piece. And now we're able to explore that more in depth and really create that as a better market in our, in our office. So I think that's where we're going to lean more into. And then just those processes, not letting them go away for a year um, and mm. maintaining that flow, really focusing on it and ma- and just having it become part of the the culture of the office that this is what happens in our office and I think setting those things up as reflex helps a lot yeah Jim if you had to think about one technology and this is going to pigeonhole you but one technology that you're excited about to integrate into your practice over the next six months relating to contact lenses what do you think well certainly the myopia management um, we're we're definitely uh, leaning into that and I think there's there's so many neat new products that solve problems that we didn't, that we couldn't before, whether it's some of the new lenses that don't dry out as well, silicon multifocal, silicon torque dailies, you know, et cetera, that we're really trying to lean into the patients that have dropped out. There's, you know, there's patients that, that maybe wore lenses eight, 10 years ago and stopped wearing because they were uncomfortable and we can take care of that a lot. So, uh, those patients are real, real open. They already know how to put them on real open to, mm-hmm. to suggestions where we, you know, again, talking about getting, getting in personal conversation with someone, someone might say they're going on a vacation and, and, and they're not a contact lens wear, but I know they used to be. It's a great opportunity for me to say, you know, I have your corneal measurements. There's some new products. Let me give you 10 pairs of them for when you go on your vacation. And, and go for it. And again, they wind up coming back and, and becoming contact lens wearers. So, so I think there's a great opportunity there with so many new products. Yeah. I don't know if that answers yeah. your question. No, I, I think uh, it does. 
I, I asked for one, but Jim, I appreciate the fact that you were being complete. <laughs> no, it's good. That's great, Jim. M- Michelle, from an industry standpoint, what are we? Um, what What are you expecting over the next six months from the trends that you've seen and, and kind of forward looking there that we should be aware of? Yeah, you know, one of the things that we've seen with regard to pricing because there was a lot of conversation about that, and I, I think it's so important. And what we're seeing, we've been we've been following patients throughout um, this time. And at every touch point along the way, when we're surveying these patients, we're asking them about how price impacts their decision to wear contact lenses. And consistently, less than 10% of patients have, have told us that price is the reason that they're not wearing. So that's good. Yes, there will always be someone who is impacted by that. But for the most part, they do value contact lenses. They value the service. They value the freedom and all of the things that come along with contact lenses. And so what I would say is be confident with the value that you bring in, in the contact lens space um, and don't make assumptions because that really hasn't moved a lot for us. Um, in terms of what we see, we see uh, the need to be flexible. But what I'm hearing from both Missy and Jim is also this need to focus. You know, it's come up a couple times. Um, We can't do everything. We we have to make choices. You know, do we have time to go that deep? And the answer is no. We we are going to have to be very decisive. We're going to have to make some very intentional decisions. But that's okay. Because what we also heard is, didn't we do that before? Um, And if we all had a dollar for every program that we initiated, that only made it 60 days or 90 days or whatever that was, um, we'd have a pretty nice tip jar. And so perhaps one of the things to look at is being very choiceful about that. We have limited time, we have limited resources, but it also turns out that the most effective plans are very specific, very targeted. We get good at it and then we move on to something else. And so what I would say is all the answers are right. Myopia management is right. Specialty lenses is, is, is right. You know, the answer is whatever's right for your practice. Um, pick that road, do it well, reach out to your colleagues and your vendor partners for help. And when you feel good, like you have that one has become a habit for the practice, do a quick reassessment and, and pick the next one. I gotta leave it there. Michelle, perfect way to end it. Awesome. Thank you so much. Missy, Jim, thank you for your time today. I really appreciate the conversation. I think this will be really helpful. Thanks for having us, Chris.